0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number 10 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. Before we get started on today's topic, uh, I just wanted to, again, like I've done in the last couple of episodes, just reach out or say thank you, rather, to the people that have reached out to me, uh, saying that they're listening to the podcast, that they like the podcast. Uh, it's truly, truly humbling to hear those words when... Really, I thought initially when I did this that uh, there would be a very little audience. And for there to be five to six to seven, 800 listeners every time, which again, in the grand scheme of podcasts, that's probably not a lot. But to me, each and every person who takes the hour, 30 minutes or whatever out of their day to listen to the words that I have to say is a very humbling thing. And I don't take that lightly. So I try To make sure that the things that I talk about on the podcast are something that are of value to you, even if you don't agree with them, I hope that there's something that you can, you maybe it's thought provoking, maybe it's something that you can take back to the firehouse, sit down and discuss. Uh, Maybe it's something that'll cause you to research a little bit more. But I just thank everybody who has listened to the podcast, who has just you know who's enjoyed what I've had to say. It's been a great experience for me. Uh, special shout out to, to, to the Do Work podcast that has sent me a couple of voice messages on the Anchor app. They're brand new to podcasting and their podcast is going to bring a little something different. And that's something else I wanted to touch on too before we get uh, started with the topic of today is that there is a whole lot of fire service podcasts out there and each of them are a little bit different. Each of them have a little bit different flavor. Each of them have a different vibe if you will. And I think that they're all valuable because they're all pieces of our grand fire service that are out there. Uh, not every firefighter, fire officer, fire department is the same. And everything that's going on out there is a big piece of the pie. And everybody who is willing should be able to voice what they're seeing and thinking. Uh, You know, for example, one of the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis is Chief Peter Lamb. And his podcast is not flashy. It's not, you know, anything super controversial, at least not in my eyes. But what it does for me, he, you know, without even maybe knowing it, even though we do have a a personal relationship, without even knowing it he's always kind of a voice of reason podcast for me uh whenever i get maybe fired up about something i can listen to him talk about that topic and he usually is a calming voice uh and is asking people to look at it from more than one angle so i take that and and utilize that uh very similar to other podcasts out there Ryan Pennington the Jumpseat Views podcast uh, you know, you have the Refined by Fire podcast. There's a whole lot of other podcasts out there, and they're all going to give you a different view. I don't see it as any competition. I see it as another piece to a puzzle. I see it as, you know, to, to try to get the whole picture. I see it as a way that we're all contributing and trying to pay it forward, and that's what Chief Lamb always says, trying to pay it forward to make the fire service better, than what we, than when we came in. And we all have a different way to do that. And we all have different methods to do that. The do work guys, they're going to be a little more uncensored. And again, I think that's needed in the fire service. I think that sometimes in the world of political correctness, we are far too politically correct, especially in a job where it deals with lives and it deals with property where we have to put our lives in danger to try to save other people. We don't have time all the time for, to be quite honest, to use a lack of better word, political bullshit in order to do our job. So I think those guys are going to bring that brand of fire service podcast to you. So I encourage you to go over to the Do Work podcast. Uh, Right now, I believe they're just on Anchor. But they're, I'm sure, going to be pushing their podcast out to the other avenues, uh, the other podcast listening devices. So go over to Do Work and give those guys a listen. I think you'll enjoy their banter, and I think you'll enjoy what they have to say. All right, enough of that. Let's get onto the topic today of talking about when to put on that mask and why I do what I do. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Like we said in the intro, going to be talking today about when to wear that SCBA mask, or really why I do what I do and kind of the evolution of how that changed. I'm not necessarily here to change your mind, but I am here to tell you what I do and the reasons that I do it and kind of, again, the history of what I started doing when I got in the fire service and the evolution of what I do now coming from being a volunteer firefighter to a career firefighter to a career company officer and just kind of give you the, the facts of what I do and why I do it. Again, maybe, maybe it'll change your mind, maybe it won't, but what I hope it does is give you something to think about. So in order to kind of figure this whole thing out of like why I do what I do, we have to go back to the very beginning of my fire service career when I was 16 years old, uh, or actually 15 years old, when I got involved in my volunteer fire department when you, where I volunteered at, when you turned 16, you could take Firefighter 1 and 2. And you could, once you passed Firefighter 1 and 2, you could go into structure fires. So before that even happened, uh, if I came to the firehouse as a 15-year-old junior member and did a good job dumping the trash and cleaning the building, uh, I would get to do some fire training. And a lot of that was, you know, wearing your SCBA, uh, throwing ladders, stuff like that. And I was taught initially... Don't come off the rig with your mask on. Now, when I started, we had those old belt-mounted regulators. If you're new to the fire service or or whatever, or you've never been exposed to that, the old SCBAs, a lot of them, had belt-mounted regulators, at least the old MSA uh, SCBAs did. And what I mean by that is that regulator that you're so used to being on your face, uh, that mask-mounted regulator, that was on a belt. And it was this big hunk of metal uh, that you... That you screwed your mask into the mask had a long what we always called an elephant tube, but it was a rubber tube that extended from the belt mounted regulator up to your mask. And that was, and, and the face pieces were really, really small. Uh, at least I thought they were small, and I thought they really obscured your peripheral vision and any other vision, to be, to, to be uh, quite honest with you. Basically, you could see straight ahead, and if you wanted to see something else, you had to move your head in a very aggressive fashion. So a lot of the guys, you know, even in my Firefighter 1 class, Firefighter 2 class, all these guys were, don't come off the rig masked up. It's just something we didn't do. And I kind of understood that because wearing it for a while, especially going through uh, Firefighter 1 and 2, not having any experience in a real fire yet, uh, did not have my first fire until I probably like, I don't know, 16 years old. And I just got out of Firefighter 1, so maybe like May or June of, of, you know, when I was 16. So probably a couple months after I got out of Firefighter 1 and right before Firefighter 2 started uh, that summer, so I had never had any experience in a real fire up to this point. So I took what they said and then took the little bit of experience I had training in Firefighter one class wearing that because and in, in especially if, I don't know whether all Firefighter one classes were like this up until this point, but we wore those SCBAs a lot. We had an old SCBA maze that it was actually converted out of an airplane uh, that they made an SCBA maze. and We, I swear, we crawled through that thing at least twice a week. Uh, we were having classes three times a week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So at least two times a week, we were crawling around the burn building, crawling in that SCBA maze, and we were wearing those SCBA masks a lot. So <clears throat> I uh, i got the point, I guess, pretty quick that don't come off this thing with your, uh, don't come off the rig with your mask on. So I took that with me. Um, but I knew that there was other stuff out there. Uh The department I work for now used to come mutual aid quite a bit into the volunteer department that I worked for. There was a guy that volunteered with me in the volunteer department that was the career firefighter in the department I work for now. And they came mutual aid to a possible kitchen fire one night, and he came off with his mask on. Same belt-mounted style regulator with the elephant tube. He came off the rig with his mask on, so I knew that there was other stuff out there, but I listened to the guys that had trained me, and so I went on from there. Even when I became a career firefighter in Stafford County, Virginia, uh, my first career department, I still kind of took that with me. Uh, Any trainings that we did, I didn't come off the rig messed up. We even did, uh, I I don't know if they still do it, because it's been forever since I worked there, but we were such a small career department at the time. We had a Saturday, and we didn't work weekends, but we had a Saturday, we went up to a burn building, and we did live burns and search and rescues and VESs with all the career staff, and still, I didn't come off with my mask on. So, that was something that, that went with me for, you know, the first, gosh, uh, I got hired in my first career department when I was 20, so the first five years of my fire service career and then worked two years in Stafford County before I came to my current department. So seven years of my fire service career, the first year, first seven years, I was, nope, don't come off the rig with your mask on. And even like newer firefighters that were coming behind me uh, when they were asking me to help them, you know, to, to teach them the SCBA, it, I taught them what I was what I was taught. Don't come off this rig with your SCBA mask on. You fast forward to getting hired with my current department, and the culture there was that you come off with your mask on, and that initially was drilled into us in recruit school. And we did just as much in recruit school with our masks on as we did in my initial firefighter one class. Uh, we climbed buildings. We, you know, it was the expectation that you came off the rig with your mask on. Not necessarily on air because as we evolved in this, the SCBAs also evolved. So in, in the fire department I work for now, the initial SCBAs I was exposed to was still MSA, but they had mass mounted regulators. And on the mask themselves, it had a little track like right about the top of the, uh, the nose where your nose would be. It had a track that you could put the regulator on and it would slide and it would hang there. And so you could easily go from on air to off air. So the expectation was that you came off with your mask on and that if you needed to, when you needed to clip in, you clipped in and when you needed to clip out you clipped out. That way you didn't burn your bo- your working air uh, in your bottle. So that was drilled into us. and I thought maybe it was just a recruit school thing. but then I got to my first station, right? And the captain and the lieutenants that I worked for there were, you are a backwards riding firefighter. You come off this rig with your mask on ready to work. That was the phrase that they always used. They didn't necessarily say be on air because obviously, you know, we didn't want to burn that working air. You know, we need to use that air to work. We were still using uh, 2216 or what people call them, you know, low pressure or 30 minute bottles. And we all know that it's not really a 30 minute bottle, but we were still using those low pressure, so we didn't want to burn that working air, but we, they wanted us to come off masked up and have that regulator hanging, and the second we needed to clip in, boom, we would clip in and we would go to work if, if we were encountering smoke. So I knew I had a lot of catching up to do, right? I knew I had a ton, a ton, a ton of catching up to because I would never trained like that. I'd never been taught like that. I'm you know, 22 years old at this time, been in the fire, been in the fire department for seven years, at the time, and uh, you know, all my second career department. So I, but I had some catching up to do because I had never been trained like that. And so I started training with the mask on all the time. Started doing it all the time. Any drill we did, if we went outside to throw ladders, I did it with my mask on. If we went outside to throw pull lines, I did it with my mask on. Uh, because if we if we worked out, I wasn't a big workout guy in the beginning of my career. I, I am so now. Uh, but we did it with our mask on. I did it with my mask on. I was like, you know, I've got to catch up in doing these things. And as I got to do it, I found out that the current setup that we had actually made me more efficient. I'm not saying that it makes everybody more efficient, but it made me more efficient. I found that I was ready to go or ready to work faster than some of the guys who didn't mask up with their, you know, who didn't come off the rig with their mask on. Because a lot of guys, even though that was drilled into us in recruit school, some company, you know, like anything else, people disagree and agree with it. So some company officers are like, you don't have to do that. And But I found that when I was showing up to fires with my mask on, I was able to get put to work because I wanted to go to fires. So I was ready to work. So when I had my mask on, I would, we would, my company would come up and we'd be ready to go and they'd put us right to work. So to me that was one of the biggest benefits was that man, I am I'm getting to go into these fires. We're showing up as the third do engine and the second and first do engine are still masking up and we're getting to go into these fires. We're getting, so I I'm, I'm going to get even better at wearing my mask on because and wearing my mask coming off the rig cuz I want to be ready to work, man. I want to do this thing. So That was kind of how it evolved for me as a firefighter, not wearing the mask to wearing the mask. And as we talk about this, we have to look at some of the evolutions of SCBA, like we've talked about already a little bit. The initial SCBA mask that I was using, it really wasn't conducive to coming off the rig, masked up. Uh, it was hard. You know, you had to screw in the elephant tube to the belt-mounted regulator to go on air. Uh, you had the the face piece, the you know, the view on the face piece wasn't very good. Those things were actually uncomfortable too. They had the rubber straps on the uh, on the back where your of, of your headpiece. Um, it just man, they were just uncomfortable to wear. They weren't. You know, they fogged up easy. They were just kind of a pain, so it kind of made a lot of sense then. But now, as we continue to evolve uh, with SCBA and we've mass amount of regulators have been around for a while, and we the air packs are more ergonomic. The face pieces themselves have increased their view. As a matter of fact, we're still using MSA in my current department, but the volunteer department right before I left, they switched over to Scott. And the Scott mask, I feel like I can see everything. Uh, I don't feel like I miss anything at all wearing that Scott mask. The MSA mask is not as good as Scott, but it's really good. My peripheral envis- vision is increased. Uh, the air pack still has the, mel- the mass amount of regulator. It's easy to go on air, off air. So I'm not wasting. We're now using 45 minute bottles, uh, or actually, excuse me, hour long bottles, as they say, or 45 minute bottles. Um, you know, they're a higher pressure scba bottle so they last a little bit longer uh but man i can i've got even more increased vision the air pack's more comfortable to wear it's just as easy to go on and off air so now it makes even more sense to me as a firefighter to come off with your mask on as a firefighter now right about this time about four years on in my current department you have the uh, opportunity if you want to to test to become an acting officer and what we do is we have firefighters that have left minimum of four years on you go through at the time that I did it it was basically you had to pass a test and then you had to do an internship or with your company officer so they would ride behind you in the firefighter seat you would ride in charge they would advise you as you're going on to the call so on and so forth now you have to not only take a test and do your ride along internship, you have, to pat, you have to take the acting officer class that we, con- you know, a lot of experienced fire officers come in and teach you about strategy, tactics, how to be a company officer. Uh, and it's a really good springboard for promotion. Uh, not everybody does it, but you have the ability to. Well, I had already been a volunteer officer, I was chomping at the bit to be able to get in that front seat. Um, and and again, and I still, to me, uh, you know, this may be unpopular with some, with some people out there, but to me, I'm a firefighter. I want to ride in the back seat or the front seat. I can't stand driving. I drive because my department requires you to be able to drive. Like they require everyone to be a clear DPO. So I got cleared to be a DPO so that I wouldn't lose my job. But if I never drove another fire truck again, I'd be fine with that. I want to be in the front seat making decisions and going into fires and doing searches or I want to be in the back seat on the nozzle or search and rescue something. That's just where I want to be. That's not a lot of people have a different opinion. A lot of people like being a driver. That's just not what I like to do. It's not what I focus on. I feel like I'm a capable driver, but it's not what I like to focus on. But anyway, I digress. As I transitioned into that front seat and started doing things, I was still doing business the same way I was as a firefighter. I was showing up to these fire scenes and I was putting my mask on. I would give my water supply assignment or water supply plan on the way to the fire and then I'd mask up. And I found that the driver would maybe not hear the directions clearly and I'm trying to shout through the SCBA mask through the speaker mic uh they need to turn left and lay out at this hydrant. Uh, when I got there, my on-scene reports were garbled. They, you know, People couldn't hear them. Uh, they couldn't hear my 360 reports. All those things that we require people to do as officers. Uh, for, for those that don't know, in my fire department, our company officers on the way there must announce their water supply plan on the radio. Usually it's something simple as engine one to engine two. We've got a hydrant at the corner of 1st Street and 2nd Street. We're going to lay out from there... Pump to us. That's usually as simple as it is. And then when we get there, the company officer then gives a size up report, something as simple as engine one's on scene. I've got a two story single family structure with smoke and fire showing from side A. Captain Owens will be establishing the first street command. Boom, and that's it. Then when we get out of the rig, our company officer has to do a walk around and announce. The 360s complete on the radio and what they see in their operational mode. So it goes a little something like this Commander radio 360s complete. I've got fire and smoke showing from the first and second floor on all four sides. I've got no occupant accountability. This is a working fire and we'll be operating in the rescue mode. That's as simple as it is. And then they go to work. Well, I was trying to do all this with my mask on and no one understood it. No one understood it. Um, In fact, I just had a recent fire where I got out with my mask off as the company officer, did my size up perfect, my 360 perfect. I threw my mask on and I needed to say something else on the radio and for whatever reason, it was garbled and the guy in command didn't understand what I was trying to say. So I will say that having that mask on can can make communications a little bit difficult. But I feel the value of it, especially from the firefighter level, is more important. But we'll continue on with the company officer stuff. So now I have, as a company officer, I've been a company officer for the last five years, uh rather, four years in my, uh, yeah, five years, sorry, in my fire department uh as a lieutenant and now a captain. When I started becoming a company officer, I started feeling that that wasn't effective. So I stopped wearing my mask in the front seat. I didn't put it on until after I had done my 360. So that way I could get all the words out that I needed to get. It made everybody feel good on the way in. It gave them all the information they needed. Then usually once I did that, I didn't have to talk a whole heck more of a lot. I able to put my mask on and go to work because in our fire department too, we've got three people in the engine a driver, officer and a firefighter. So that officer has to be a working supervisor. They have to be able to say all the stuff that they have to say and then go to work. So I started masking up in the yard again. Now, one of the things that or one of the things rather that that hurts I think is the efficiency of moving the hose line into the building. I'm an engine company officer. Uh, I think that that hurts. As a rescue officer, the last assignment I was before I was a captain was I was a a lieutenant on a rescue. I kind of got back in the habit of putting my mask on in the rig because we weren't given water supply assignments. We weren't given 360s or anything like that. We weren't announcing those things on the radio. So I'd throw my mask on before we got there because we were usually going in for search rescue or to supplement truck company work. So I, I didn't really need to talk a whole heck of a lot on the radio. But as a first due engine company officer, I feel that it's vital that that mask stays off until you give all the things that you need to say. Now, again, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm just trying to tell you what I do and, and how I operate. So nowadays, I make sure that I'm, I keep my mask off until I'm done saying all the things I need to say. With that being said, I also do a couple things that enhance and make it faster for me to put my mask on. One, a mask up with my gloves on. That is a skill that I don't think you can practice enough. That is a skill that I don't think that people, I really think that people downplay it, to be quite honest with you. I have a rule if you ride with me on my engine is if you have the choice of whether you mask up in the rig or whether you mask up in the yard. You have the choice. But if you choose to mask up in the yard, it will be done with your fire gloves on. That's where the choice is. So if you're going to mask up in the yard, then you've got to be able to do it with your fire gloves on. And I usually, and one of the guys that used to work for me, he still hates to this day that I always said, if you can't do it with your fire gloves on, you can't do it. And I believe that. I believe we need to train with our fire gloves on. Nothing burns me up more than when I see guys out there pulling lines, throwing ladders, forcing doors with leather work gloves on. That's not how we do business, or that's not how we should be doing business. So if you can't do it with your fire gloves on, you can't do it. So if you're going to mask up in the yard, you need to do it with your fire gloves on. The other thing that I do is I pre-size my mask. And what I mean by that is every day when I get to work and I find out where I'm riding, because even as a captain, yes, I still get on the ambulance. But, and I look at the staffing, look at the last time I've been on the ambulance, but 90% of the time, probably 95% of the time, I'm riding in the front seat. But even on the ambulance, we have air packs. But every day I get there, and when I'm checking out my SCBA, I put my mask on, and I make sure that it's sized to fit my face I mean, I keep the, we have four straps on our SCBA masks, two at the top, two at the bottom. I tighten up the top straps till they fit. I tighten up the bottom straps till they fit. And then once I make sure I've got a good seal, I loosen up those bottom straps just a little bit so that my, so that the mask can slide off my face and then it can slide back on my face. And what that does is allow me, I don't have to yank the straps down hard. Every time when I, uh, when I put my mask on, it allows me to easily throw my mask on, pull the bottom straps a little bit snug, and then I'm ready to go. My mask is on. It has decreased my mask up times exponentially. I can't even tell you how quick I can get my mask on these days. It's pretty, it, it's pretty phenomenal. And those are all things that I do to make my mask up times even better. And as we talk about this, we're 20 minutes into the, to the, this discussion, 21 minutes into this discussion. I'm sure a ton of you guys are sitting out there going, yeah, 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 that's great, but whatever. I'm not going to mask up. I'm not going to do it. That's okay. You don't have to mask up in the rig. But I do want to talk about some of the other reasons that I mask up in the rig. And for those of you that don't know, or or mask up in the yard away from the smoke, rather. And for those that you don't, for those that don't know, I teach a firefighter cardiac arrest class. Uh, I've taught it at FDIC a couple times. I've taught it in Ohio at the the they used to have the Ohio Fire EMS Expo. I've taught it at our Virginia Fire Officers Conference, uh, Virginia Company Officer Conference. I've taught it at the Virginia State Firefighters Convention. I've taught it in a lot of places, and so I do a lot of research on. What causes firefighters to have you know, be more predisposed to cardiac arrest or, to, or heart attacks? And what are some of the things that we can do to prevent them? And so I came across this study when I was initially doing my initial research. And it was from a doctor out of the University of California named Greg Fonero. And what he found out, he did a study on firefighters. And what he found out is that the particulates in the smoke... Aggravate and weaken the arteries in our heart, or basically in our entire body. And so that makes us more susceptible to having heart attacks and stroke. I mean, that's crazy. The smoke that we're taking in, we already knew it was giving us cancer and emphysema and all that kind of stuff, but it's now been proven. And I believe this study was put out 10 years ago in 2008 or 2009. But it's now been proven that this stuff degrades our arteries to the point where we're more susceptible to heart attack and stroke. And everyone knows heart attack, the number one killer of firefighters. Number one killer. That's a lot of incentive for me to wear my mask. Another reason that I wear my mask, Came, comes from a real live uh, example of us at a fire. Uh, it was actually, it was when I was at uh, my very first station. It happened within the first five or six years of my career. Uh, I think it was about year five or six because I was in charge of the engine that day. And we had a busy, busy day as usual. The, the company that I was at at the very beginning of my career, my current department, is, was the busiest and is still the busiest in the whole county. And we went to fires. Uh, You know, that is, it is still, uh, you know, the most fires happen there, the most extrications. It is the district for people who want to be firemen. So everybody wants to go there. And they usually last two, three years. And the call load is so much, everybody starts tapping out. I managed to make it six years there. And it was the best six years in my fire department career, bar none. But one morning, we have a thunderstorm hit, and we're running calls all morning long. And this is at the backside of our shift. So this is the last two hours of a 24-hour shift. So we're running calls, running calls, running calls. They're putting out multiple house fires, and we get put on one with the guys from our ladder company into a place uh, in our next do-over district. And we get there, and sure enough, it's burning. It's an attic fire, it was a lightning strike, and it's burning, burning, burning. Uh, we get there as the third engine or the second engine, and we come up with our high-rise packs, and we're doing we're going to work, and our truck company, they pulled us out, and our truck company guys uh were trying to open up from the outside. Specifically, they were trying, they were gonna stick the hook in the soffit so that we could spray water from the exterior underneath the roof line. Because there was still some roof intact, but we had had some water difficulties. One of the hydrants was dead. So this thing had been free burning for a while without us putting any water on it. So command wanted us to hit it from the outside and then try to transition back into the inside, just because we hadn't put a lot of water on it at this point. And so this fire had been burning for so long without anybody doing anything, and to be qua- and part of the reason too, it had been burning for so long because they dispatched it to the wrong place first. So we were way behind the eight ball. So the guy who is also who's still today one of our best lieutenants in our fire department, he was a firefighter with me at the time, and we came out. He came out of the recruit school before uh, before me, and uh, he's got his mask on. Even though we're outside, he's got his mask on, and we're on air, and he's on air. And he goes to stick his New York roof hook into the soffit. And he sticks the New York roof hook into the soffit, and the guy, I'm stretching hose or whatever, and the guy on the nozzle's kind of standing right there waiting for him to open it up. He sticks the New York roof hook into the soffit, and as he yanks down, the tar from the roof and the shingles had pulled in a liquid fashion in the soffit. And as he yanked down, that hot stuff. And, and nasty tar, whatever, splashed his face. Thankfully, he had his face piece on. Now, it ruined his face piece. It melted some of the pla- uh the rubber on it. It ruined the face piece. Uh, he had to get his SCBA mask completely redone. And and he, like, they just got rid of it, and they gave him a new mask. But that, having his mask on, saved probably his career. Because if that hit his face... It would have burned him terribly on his face. He may have gotten some of it in his mouth. It could have burned his airway. It it quite frankly, it could have killed him. If at at best case scenario, it would have hurt him real bad. So having that mask on possibly saved his career, if not saved his life. So that to me, that example was just more motivation to make sure that I've had that I keep my mask on. Okay. On top of all the things we know about cancer, about heart attacks, about all of those things. And again, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm here to, here to give you some information of something that maybe you need to think about. That's what I really my goal is. So then you start doing some more research, right? And like any good firefighter, you, you see these incidents and you start doing some more research. And you come and you look at YouTube. The University of YouTube. Uh, you can find anything on there, just about. Anything from how to change your tire to how to put fires out. Um, or at least how not to put fires out, as some people would say. But I start seeing all these incidents where guys are getting caught in these, I don't, want, I don't want to call them backdraft or smoke explosions, I just call them hostile fire events. Where they're sitting at the front door, masking up, eating a ton of smoke, and then the smoke would ignite. And they'd have to bail. And, and, and it's all over YouTube. You can look smoke explosion. You can, it, it happens all over. It, it takes you no more than like 30 seconds to, to find these instances. So that to me, even more reinforced that I'm going to wear my mask. But as I told you, as I became a company officer, I found that that was really difficult to do my job when I had my mask on and I was trying to give all these detailed radio reports out. So one of the things I started doing was when I mask up in the yard, I don't do it near a potential exhaust point and I try not to do it in smoke. I consider smoke the hot zone. If I'm taking smoke, I need to have my mask on. All right, so that's some of the do's and don'ts for me of wearing your mask. If you To me, I think the gold standard for me Again, don't don't go out there and, you know, and I can hear the, the fire service Twitter and the fire service blogosphere ramping up right now. I can hear it right now where people are going like, Average Jake, that guy Robbie, he says the only way to do business is to mask up in the rig. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the gold standard for me and the way that it worked for me and the way that I was most efficient was to come off that rig with my mask on, ready to go to work come off that come off that rig with the mask on, not on air, full PPE, and be able to clip in and go on air whenever I needed to. Whether I encountered smoke or whenever I encountered a hostile fire event or whatever, or wherever I was ready to do, I was ready to do work. That was the way that worked the best for me. And that is the way that I train people. And that's the, and that's the spin that I put on it. With that being said, as a company officer, The best way that works for me is to pre-size my mask and to practice with masking up with my gloves on. That's the way that is best for my job today. With that being said, I don't mask up near a potential exhaust point. So I don't mask up by a window. I don't mask up by a door. I don't mask up at the top of the ladder when I'm getting ready to go on the roof. I don't mask up in the bucket when I'm getting ready to go on the roof. I don't mask up on the floor landing if it's clear in the bottom and there's got smoke up top and it's attic fire. I don't mask up on the floor landing. I don't do those things. I'm not saying you can't. I don't do those things for all the reasons that I've listed. And if you think those lesson or those reasons rather... are are garbage then that's fine don't do them but I don't mask up near potential exhaust points I don't think it's worth it I think the two seconds that it takes for me to mask up before I go into a building is the more is the more appropriate way to do business if you don't that's fine and the one thing that I do is I make sure I pre-size that mask so that it's faster and I make sure I mask up with my gloves on so to me if you're not going to mask up in the rig and you're going to elect to mask up in the front yard then don't do it in front of an exhaust point do it with your masks on with your gloves on rather and do it with a pre-sized mask if you're going to do that to me that's the best way to make you more efficient because here's one of the problems i have is that all these fire service guys are out there talking about it's for them We go inside for them. We do all of this for them. We're doing this for them. Everything we do is for them. if If you do all this other stuff, you're not thinking about them. You're thinking about you, and you're a coward. If it's really about them, why would you not want to do it the most efficient way possible? If time is of the essence, and that's the big thing people have with transitional attack, is it takes too much time. The victims are inside, and you're hanging out outside, and it takes too much time. But I came off the rig with my mask on, and I was inside the building 10 seconds before you were, because you were outside messing around with getting your mask on. Are you really about them? Because if you are, wouldn't you want to get in the building that much faster? I don't know. Maybe that's something you have to ask yourself. What are you really doing it for? What are, you, what are you? really are your goals? To me, wearing that mask got me in the building faster. It made me more efficient. It made me better at my job. And I trained that way. So to me, that was about them. So that's one of the big problems I have with that. That's one of the big problems with all these pundits out there talking about what's for them and they do everything for them and it's always about them and it always has been and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. But they're teaching guys that it's okay to hang out in the yard for 15 seconds to to 30 seconds. Is that really about them? Is that the way that you want to do business? If it is, that's fine. It's not the way that I want to do business. I want to have that mask on as a firefighter and be ready to go. I don't think that's the best way for me to be as a company officer. So I try to streamline that mascot process so that I can get inside for them. So that I can put water on the fire wherever it presents itself and extinguish the fire as fast as possible because that's what the problem is for them. So something I came up with that i teach in my firefighter cardiac arrest class and i think that it's important to talk about here uh, because often i get the the question this is all great stuff but how do i how do i do it you know how do i you know g- give me something give me something tangible and so what i came up with was the hot zone fireground concept and what the hot zone fireground concept it takes those Cold, warm, and hot zones from hazardous materials incidents and puts them in the realm of the fireground of when you should be doing certain things. So let's get into it. Hot zone, fireground. The cold zone, pretty self explanatory, but the cold zone is your non ideal age. There's no smoke, there's no fire, there's no relative danger, there's no collapse. You don't need your SCBA. You don't need your PPE. Command can be there. Rehab. All of those things. That's your cold zone. Your warm zone. That's where your on-deck companies are. They're not in rehab. They're ready to go to work. And because smoke and because these fire incidents can be so dynamic, in that warm zone, people need to be in what I call a state of readiness. You need to have your gear on. You need to have your SCBA on, you don't necessarily need your mask on, and you don't need to be on air, but you need to be ready to transition to having your mask on on air if the wind direction changes. You're close enough to where if that wind direction changes, you could be impacted by smoke, or you could be impacted by fire, or you could be impacted by some sort of fire debris, or, or you know anything like that, that you would need to transition to an IDLH atmosphere. And that's the thing that we have to remember about this is that we're not dealing with a set like thing. We're dealing with something that's very dynamic. So we have to adjust these based on what's happening around us, based on our surroundings. But that warm zone is you're in a state of readiness. Your on-deck companies are there. Uh, Your on-deck companies, uh, whatever you call them, the guys that are in standby, your manpower pool, uh, whatever, they need to have their, their PPE on and they need to be ready to go on air at a moment's notice. Maybe even that's where, like, your DPOs are. That would be maybe your warm zone. And But, however, I have seen and I've had to put air on pumping a fire because the smoke was so bad. Um, I've even seen a command officer park too close and have to put all of his gear on and uh, and pump a fire and, and command a fire with an SCBA on. In fact, one of the most famous fires that we went to as a volunteer was uh, we had a horse stable catch on fire when I was in the volunteer fire department. And the engine parked so close to the fire that the pump operator had to stand on the opposite side of the engine because the ga- the gauges on the engine were melting and he was burning up almost standing out there trying to pump the fire and it was just the massive amount of fire if they'd have parked any further away uh if they'd have parked any further away they would not have even been able to be effective on putting water on the fire but don't make any bones about it they were in the hot zone he was feeling a tremendous amount of heat. And the only reason there wasn't a lot of smoke is because the fire was burning so hot it was burning all of it up. But again, that's that warm zone. The hot zone. SCBA PPE on air. A simple way to know if you're in the hot zone? If you're taking in smoke, you're in the hot zone. So what does that mean? That could mean your RIT companies. That could mean your roof ventilation companies. That could mean your, you know, the, the guy's doing outside ventilation, your OV guy. Definitely means if you're inside the fire building. And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people say, you're a yard breather. You're a this and a that and the other thing. And that's fine. But I'm telling you, in today's world, where the smoke that we're taking in is so dangerous... It's got cyanide in it. They use that to kill people. And we we already talked about the statistics. We already talked about the study that I brought up. And we talked about how dangerous it can be to, to do all those things. If we're truly about helping all the people that we need to help, then we need to be ready to help them and we need to be ready to go on air and we have to be able to survive to help them. That's what really being about them is all about, is I got to be, yes, I'm all about them, and I'm willing to risk my life for anybody that needs my help. But if I die in the front yard, what good am I? If I get overcome with smoke in the front yard of a house, can I go in and help anybody? No. And now I know uh, other departments have different resources, but in my fire department, we have a guy that we pay a handsome salary to every day, 24 hours a day, 365, even on Christmas, we have a guy staffed on our air utility truck. It is his job to come fill my air bottle as many times as I need it to be on a fire. I know that not everybody else is as resource rich as that, but I can tell you in my world, that means air is free and I'm going to use as much as I can So, I'm gonna keep using air and I'm gonna keep using air. And that guy can fill my air bottle 20 times if that's how much air I need. But I'm telling you, if you're in smoke, you're in the hot zone. Let's go back to our reading smoke stuff. Smoke's fuel, right? If you're taking in smoke, you're in unburnt fuel. All it's looking for is the right mixture a little bit of heat, a little bit of air, and it can ignite. Maybe it's a little bit too lean, maybe it's a little bit too rich. So, you might think, That you're safe on the outside smashing that window without your mask on. And maybe you are. Maybe you've done it a hundred times. Or you could be like my buddy who popped open that soffit and got hot roof tar splashed all over his face and could have been gravely injured. So again, the hot zone fire ground concept. And that's something that doesn't cost really any money. That's something that doesn't cost. All it takes is someone to have the guts to go, no, you're not taking that mask off. I don't care that we're in overhaul. you're not taking that mask off. I don't care that we're not inside right now. we're taking in a lot of smoke being out here so put your mask on and I and and, and I don't believe that anybody should tell a story like this or or talk about this kind of stuff without telling on themselves and telling the truth. this is an evolution for me. This is not something that I always did. As a matter of fact, I was the exact opposite of this. Again, I came from a culture where you didn't mask up in the rig, and my volunteer fire department had career firefighters from Henrico County, the city of Richmond, uh, Chesterfield County. All these older guys. In fact, one of the guys that I looked up to the most was a guy from the city of Richmond Flying Squad. Back in the day, he was retired, and I grew up with his grandkids. He was the one of the guys I worked looked up to the most. And I wanted to be like him. And he told us all these stories about how they fought all these fires. And back in the day, the the flying squad in Richmond, all they did was go from, they were like the precursor to the rescue companies. All they did was go all over the city of Richmond and go to fires. That's all they did. And this guy was the captain of the flying squad. And he got to handpick everybody because to be quite honest, he was the best fireman in that whole fire department. Bar none, hands down. If you ask anybody, they'll tell you that Captain Birch, was the one of the best firemen if not the best fireman in the whole Richmond Fire Department at the time and so that's all those guys did was go to fires and he would tell us all these things and he would tell us all these stories about all these fires that he went to but you also noticed that he drug around his oxygen tank everywhere he went and you noticed that he In the wintertime, we didn't see him come around the volunteer firehouse as much because he was super sick all the time. Couldn't handle being in the cold. Couldn't be around anybody with a cold because he'd be sick. Wouldn't take a lot. And I remember as a young kid, him coming to a fire and seeing me. Somebody called for a pike pole. And it was just, I'm just going to run a pike pole into him. A lot of smoke. Smoke probably... Bank down to your shoulders. Still putting a line on the fire, but no big deal. We're standing in a manpower pool, so I need a pike pole. I was probably 17 or 18 at the time. I duck under the smoke, no mask. Walk the pike pole to him, hand it to him, walk out. And he told me, this guy that I respect, a guy that had gone to, you know, was in the war years in the city of Richmond when it was burning down every day. When we got back to the firehouse, he pulled me aside and said, you might not think it's cool to wear your mask and to wear that SCBA bottle, but do you think this is cool? And he held up that oxygen tank that he had to carry around all day, every day. He goes, because let me tell you something, it's not cool. He goes, I didn't have a choice. You do. Wear your mask. And that stuck with me forever. It stuck with me for a long time but I never truly got it. I never truly got it until probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, well into my fire service career. Well into my fire service career. Probably when I was about, I don't know, 25, 26, did I really get it. Uh, And that's after having gone to the hospital for smoke inhalation before because I still didn't 100% get it after he told me. I thought, ah, crazy old man, you know. If he was still alive today, he'd probably smack me in the face uh, for some of the dumb stuff that I've done, especially some of the stuff that he taught me not to do. But you see all these guys getting sick and everything, and you see guys that are getting cancer, and it's because, and a lot of it is in part because they didn't wear that SCBA mask when they were supposed to, because of whatever reason, culture. They talk, and, and that was part of my problem. I wanted to be tough like all those guys. I wanted to show them as a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid that I was just as tough as they are. And in reality, that was that was the wrong way to be. And so I changed, and I started adopting these rules that we've already talked about in this podcast. So just to recap, I don't, and again, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to change your mind. If you've been doing it the way you've been doing it, that's fine. I just found that this is the way that worked for me and that's the information and that's what I want to do. I want to give you something to think about. I want to give you these these things to go home and think about and when you're training these younger firefighters, maybe you train them a little bit different. Maybe you don't. But for me, as a backwards firefighter, the gold standard for me was coming off with my mask on, full PPE, ready to work. Being able to clip in and go on air whenever I needed to. If you're not going to do that, at least do this don't put that mask on near some place where you're eating a bunch of smoke or has the potential for that smoke to ignite. I call it a potential exhaust point for a fire. Whatever you call it, don't put your mask on there. If you're gonna mask up in the yard and not in the rig, be able to do with your fire gloves on. And if you're gonna mask up in the yard when you get to work in the morning and you're checking your SCBL, out, pre-size that mask so it's even faster. So that you can get inside if that's where you need to go. Or you can get wherever you need to go. If you're going to the roof, you can get there. If you're VES and you can get there. If you're just stretching a line to the back side of the house, you can get there faster. Hot zone fireground concept. Cold zone. No SCBA or PPE or PPE. Warm zone. Put that PPE on. Put your SCBA on. Mask off, off air. Be ready to go on air if you need to. And hot zone. SCBA, PPE, on air. If you are in smoke, you are in the hot zone in today's fires. Period. End of story. Period. End of story. So take this information, go back, look up some of these things. Look up Dr. Greg Fonarell and look up that study. Take a look at it. Read it. Look up all the other studies out there. There's a ton of other stuff. If any of you have ever taken my firefighter cardiac arrest class or you want to take that class, I talk about a whole lot more than this. I talk about the, the, a study from a guy, and I, I can't remember his, his name escapes me right now, who studied the age of firefighters' arteries. And the average age was 39 years old, and they had, and most of them had arteries that were at least 13 years older than their age. He directly equated that to the firefighter lifestyle. Part of that was taken in smoke. So think about all those things. Think about the guys that have cancer. Think about the guys that, are, that, are, that wish they could be all in the fire truck with you today that can't. And take a real good, long, hard look in the mirror and ask what you're really here for. And if not wearing that mask... Or masking up while you're eating smoke is worth it to you, worth it to your family, and worth it to the people that we're here trying to help. I don't know how many people that I've been able to help in my career. I don't keep track of stuff like that. Uh, I'm one of the few guys that you don't really see. Where I don't look like a five-star general when I have my uh, dress uniform on because I don't really believe in in wearing medals and awards. You know, I go get every one that they give me. Uh, You know, it's been very few, thankfully. But every one that they've ever given me, I've gone and I've put my smile on. But I don't really put them on my uniform because I don't keep track of stuff like that. So I don't know how many people I've helped. I don't know how many people I've saved. I I don't know that number. But I know for sure that that number is going to stop if I can't do my job. And if I get cancer and can't be in the fire service anymore, if I have a heart attack, I'm not going to be able to help anybody. So think about that, and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, as we end the episode, I always like to do this uh, and talk about the companies that support me and that I support as well. Um, You know, I can't do what I do without them. Uh, You know, they don't necessarily give me, you know, they don't necessarily give me any monetary type things, but they spread the message. They support me in other ways, and I really, really appreciate everything that everyone does that's out there. If you want to support the Average Jake Firefighter podcast, reach out to me through social media, reach out to me through the Anchor app, uh, you know, and you want to support the podcast. Uh, I think we, you know, I feel like, and if you can ask any of these companies, I feel like all the stuff that I do, uh, putting out information, uh, putting out, you know, Twitter stuff, Instagram stuff, all the social media stuff that I do and the reviews that I've done on the blog. I feel like it's a good partnership for me with a company. Um, but I only, I only, uh, advertise stuff that I use myself. And so things like Vanguard safety wear, Vanguard Safety Wear, they're the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove, and they're coming out with a ton of new stuff. you got to head over to VanguardSafetyWear.com, pick up a pair of Fire Gloves, pick up a pair of the Rescue Gloves. Make sure that you're looking at all the stuff they're coming out with. They're getting ready to come out with a new version of their Fire Glove that's going to be even better than the MK1. So it's going to be really, really, really good stuff. And again, I've used, I wear the MK1 Fire Glove all the time. I've been to a, to a couple fires with them. I've been to some trainings with them. And they just keep getting better. They keep getting better. They're not like some of these Fire Gloves that when you get them soaking wet and they dry, they become rock hard. Nope, these things are ready to go. They're good soaking wet. They're good dry. It doesn't matter. They're made for work. Make sure you go over to VanguardSafetyWear.com and check them out. Second company, Fire and Iron Clothing. Fire and Iron Clothing. I'm a brand ambassador for Fire and Iron Clothing. If you want something from Fire and Iron Clothing, go to fireandironclothing.com. Use the code AVERAGEJAKE, A-V-G-J-A-K-E. That'll get you a little bit of a discount, and it'll let them know that you've been listening to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. And lastly, the newest company that's been on the podcast for the last couple of weeks and one that's going to continue to be on this podcast because they just are doing some tremendous, tremendous stuff is Taylor's 10s. I wear a Taylor's 10 on my helmet every day and I got you know, confession to make. Confession, I dropped my helmet the other day. I was riding up on the battalion car and I opened up the door and my, hel- and my helmet fell and it fell on the Taylor's 10 helmet front. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to get another Taylor's 10. I'm going to have to call Taylor up, see if I can get another 10. You know, I was like, this thing, it had to have, the way that it felt, I was like, it had to have messed it up. I picked it up, no damage, nothing, no damage at all. It was like, it was brand new out of the package that they sent me. So... If that doesn't tell you enough, because who hasn't, who's bent their helmet or bent the eagle on top of their, their leather or their traditional helmet, who's doing all those things? I know I have a million times, and I was for sure thought that that Taylor's tin was going to break. It didn't even scratch. It didn't look like anything had ever happened to it. It looked brand new. So dot com. Get these things. They're tin metal helmet fronts. Get rid of those leather ones. They wear out. They get burned. They go away. These things are built for firefighters. They're tough. They're just like we need to be. They're going to last you a long, long, long time. But they look so cool, you're going to want more of them, especially if you're from more than one department or you want more than one shield or you get promoted. You're going to want these helmet fronts on your helmet all the time. They're going to last you your entire career. So, TaylorStins.com. www.Taylorstins.com com, and stop burning up leathers and start wearing Taylor's tins. And lastly, thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody who reaches out for, to me. I appreciate I appreciate all the support, all the social media support that I get. Uh, you know, we talk about some controversial stuff on here. Masking up is one of those things that you're either on one side of the fence or the other. I don't want to try to change your mind. I just want you to think about the other side of the fence. I always try to look at the other side and look at all the information out there and make my decision based on that, all the information that I can get. You can change your mind. Uh, you know, I used to have a certain stance on vacant houses, and as I got more experience with them, read more information, and you know, evolved my thinking, my thoughts on them have changed. Maybe we'll talk about that on a podcast uh, in a couple weeks or maybe a month. Uh, I don't know, but it's okay to change your mind. And it's okay to admit that maybe you were wrong. Uh, you know, I was wrong about, or at least I think I was wrong about wearing my mask and how I wore it. So make sure that I'm not here to change your mind. Get all the information that you can, then make your decision the one that's best for you, your situation and your fire department. Okay. Because that's what it really boils down to. All I'm given is stuff that works for me. And stuff that I've done over my fire service career that has spanned a combination department, an all-volunteer department, and an all-career department now, in both urban, suburban, and rural environments. Okay, I've been able to do some firefighting in all of those sets. And what I do today is a combination of all those things and are also a combination of all the people that have invested in me. And that's what I'm hoping to do here is to pay it forward and invest in you so that you can at least say that you thought about the other side of the coin. Like I always say when I end this, three hours. Make sure you're doing those three hours. Spend one hour every day in the gym working on your physical fitness. Spend one hour in the library watching YouTube, reading something about our fire service, getting a fire service, increasing your fire service education, and one hour every day doing some sort of hands-on training. If you do that, I guarantee you'll become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.